Mark, we've been starting every podcast with the get to know your fellow scripture hikers. So what surprise question card are you pulling out for me today? You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. What's the question? Okay, here it is. In your opinion, what is the worst first impression that you've ever made on a date? Oh, on a date. A job interview. Oh. Or a dinner party. All right. So I think what I'm going to confess here is that I was in the course of becoming a 911 dispatcher. So my kids had gone to college. I'm like, what do I want to do with my life? This would be unpredictable. I loved police ride-alongs. I was a domestic violence resource advocate. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm born for this. So first they run you through like a personality test. Boom, pass that. They're like, yep. And so then I get to the part where you're going to actually be like at a simulator in a way. And so they gave me 95,000 different like little pieces of information. In the middle of all that was if you at any point leave this test to go and do anything, you're an automatic fail. And I guess I kind of forgot that part, Mark, because I really had to go use the restroom. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm ended up not being a 911 dispatcher because I was I think the nerves too. I was like guzzling the water. And so I just forgot that they said, you can't go to the bathroom right now. You know what? I think the world is a safer place that Cindy Dunnigan didn't end up a 911 dispatcher. Okay. <laughs> yes. Maybe so. All right. Here comes your mystery card. Are you ready? I'm, gonna I'm ready for the mystery card. Down underneath here. And your question is, got a story to share about a book you've thought about writing? Ooh, a book that I... Th- I've thought about writing. Well, I do like travel books. Yes. And particularly, I like travel books where they're talking about what they eat on the road of <laughs> the restaurants that they come into. So, Oh, that yes. would be so on brand for you. It would be. I think you nailed that one. Absolutely. All right. Well, now everybody knows the uh, Nomad Hikers a little bit better. You know, you should always, it's kind of like safety planning. You know, like if you're going to go on a hike with somebody, you kind of should know them. Have your bottled water and et cetera, and know who you're hiking with. Yes. Okay. So let's then jump into Second Thessalonians chapter 3 for a scripture hike. All right. I think I'm going to do the first nine verses. All right. Let's and hear so, it. So finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day, so that we would not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example." So how does this fit into what we've read already in this book of Second Thessalonians? Well, that's a great question. There's a couple of connections. Verse 2, there's persecution, right? 
Yeah. They're being persecuted. So we're up against unreasonable and evil men. Mm. And then there's also that the, the Thessalonians are a great church. They've been doing well, and that's what would be one reason he would have confidence in them. So that ties us up. He, he's always said how they mm-hmm. love each other, but excel still more. The aspect of the second coming, yeah. I think, shows up in these verses from the standpoint of it looks like that there were certain members that had a misunderstanding about the second coming. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why should I go, I go to work if Jesus is going to show up like tomorrow? Now they don't have an excuse. And so that would be rebellion to make an argument like that. So I think mm-hmm. uh, I think those would be some connecting points. And talk about relevant markets. So ironic that last night in my restoration class at the Livingston Church of Christ, Andrew Roberts was reviewing the history of different false prophets in the mid-1800s, and people, Mark, literally sold everything they had. For some reason, they bought white robes, and they stood on their rooftops because they believed the prediction that false prophets had made, that they had done the math, and they figured out when the Lord was coming, and it was on this certain range of days. The first letter has already told us the date's not known. Yeah. Okay, so anyone that would predict the date is a false prophet. The other thing would be, so I got to buy my own robe? I mean, I know, (laughs) I know. And you got to, like, why? So I got to buy a uniform? Well, not only that, you have to stand on the roof. I'm not sure if that lasts 20 feet up. Okay. You know? Yeah, it's just. But get a jump. I need to get a jump on everybody else. Sad, really sad. It is. It is comical and sad. Yeah, a warning, a warning that if God says you can't figure out the day, you can't figure out the day. Anyway, so this chapter three starts off with, finally, brethren, pray for us. And I thought that was really something, Mark, that even inspired apostles depended upon the effective prayers of uninspired Christians. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Paul actually solicits the prayers of, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not apostles, and Mm -hmm. so an apostle solicited the prayers of the members of this local congregation. I like the word finally. Someone noted God writes organized letters Mm -hmm. that have introductions, Mm -hmm. greetings, logical arguments, and final observations. Mm -hmm. And so these letters are not just random thoughts loosely connected together. Exactly. And look what they were supposed to pray for. Look what Paul wanted them to pray for, that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified. And it just, it makes me wonder what would the world look like today if every Christian took this prayer request to heart and habitually prayed it, that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified. Paul is, along with these Christians, is suffering some persecution, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't say, brethren, pity us. Rather, Mm -hmm. he says, pray for us. Mm -hmm. And It's an unselfish prayer. It's not, man, pray that God would just make my life easy. Mm -hmm. That's not the prayer. It's, may the word of the Lord, the truth, the gospel, God's inspired message, may that run or spread rapidly or continue to spread or have swift progress in the world. Like free movement, may it have a victorious spread I like that. And it wasn't that remove all the obstacles, but in spite of the obstacles, let the Word of God just swiftly advance on its course of finding good and honest hearts. All right. And so then it goes on to say, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. 
it's noteworthy to me that it's never judgmental to call a spade a spade. It is being honest. And actually, that's necessary in order to keep people safe. Yeah, it's interesting. Part of that prayer is that it spread rapidly and be glorified. That is, the gospel deserves a proper reception, that people would hear it and give God praise. Mm-hmm. And I like, run and be glorified, run and be glorified. Well, just, just like it happened among you. You guys heard the gospel and obeyed it quickly, and not only that, but you just took it and ran with it, and you grew as Christians, and you're such a great group of people, and my prayer is that that happens other places as Mm -hmm. well. So what kinds of perverse and evil men was Paul encountering here? Well, that's interesting. You know, he will say we, and of course that would include him, Silas, Timothy, but also the Thessalonians delivered that such people would not be able to hinder, mm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. hinder the work. Mm-hmm. The word unreasonable would be like wrong-headed. You know, it's interesting. You can become so unreasonable that you reject the truth. And to me, those two things c- c- go together. The more unreasonable you are, the more evil you become. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the more, what would you say, your your arguments don't make any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And thus, taking pleasure in wickedness does affect your honesty. Always. And so if I think of this category of people, I think it would be people that don't love the truth. Mm-hmm explains how that verse ends because it says for not all have faith yeah well and also i think you're gonna have people here that they don't want the truth they don't love the truth they like to mess with people they are selfish their hearts are hardened and calloused and they make fun of god they make fun of holy things they mock it Mm -hmm. and so i would think that in this category of people that would mock the bible that would mock God, Mm -hmm. that would mock Jesus' death on the cross, that would mock the church, that would mock the morality of the Bible, that that would be perverse and evil men. Gotcha. So, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. So, what a contrast. And to me, that's a very sad combination of thoughts there because, I mean, the Lord is faithful, and he is due our faithfulness to him, and he certainly has presented us with so much evidence that we can build our faith on. So it's sad to me that not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. Yeah, the phrases are interesting because it's like not everyone has faith, or not everyone wants to believe, or not everyone holds to the faith. Okay, but guess what? that doesn't stop God from being faithful. Mm -hmm. And I think people sometimes have this weird idea like, well, if just enough people don't believe in God, then God kind of goes out of existence. (laughs) You know, Uh that majority role and um, reality. And and it's like the fact that the fact that a good portion of the people on this planet don't follow God has zero impact Mm -hmm. upon how faithful God is. So in contrast to those who oppose the gospel, The Lord is faithful. The Lord can be counted on no matter how perverse and unreliable men can be. So one of the expressions of that faithfulness is how that verse ends when it says, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. (laughs) What a prayer now, Mark, that that's exactly what we need right now in this culture and Mm -hmm. in this political climate. And we, you know, with more and more Christians being persecuted, May God strengthen and protect us from the evil one. Right. And so evil does exist, and the devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There is a prayer here, 
obviously there's an aspect of this prayer that, well, needs our cooperation. I guess it's kind of like the devil's a pit bull, but he's on a chain. Okay. And so in order to be protected from the evil one, it's like, okay, God will offer that, but you can't be going up there mm. playing with the pit bull and pulling I its see. ears within yes. its chain. You do you, your part. The Lord promises to do his part. So there's a confidence here that that's the Lord will strengthen and protect them from the evil one. When Paul says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. And so what they commanded was straight from God, right? I just really, I love the hope in this, Mark. The hope, like love hopes all things. So let's expect the best from others and let them know that we expect the best from them. And I think that's the very thing Paul is doing here in verse 4. Yeah, especially because he could have confidence in them because, well, of their track record, too. Back in chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And that they had been faithful brethren. And Paul will often express confidence in other Christians. And so, are we living in such a way that our brethren can have confidence in us? Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. Despite the presence of false brethren and false teachers, Paul never allowed himself to become cynical about members of the church. He believed that we were capable of doing great things. Mm -hmm. And... The confidence is that they will do and continue to do what has been commanded, that this letter is not a letter of opinions, mm, and it's mm. not a letter of, well, you can do this or Here's not do this. a suggestion, yeah, or you it, might want to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's an authoritative letter mm-hmm. from an apostle, and it needs to be obeyed, 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty seven. Verse 5 is fascinating to me. It says, May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. And so I love that God's willingness to direct our hearts when we ask and submit to that direction coexists with the reality of having been given a free will by him. A little bit like that pit bull illustration that you Mm -hmm. brought out. You know, God does his part of protecting and strengthening. We do our part by cooperating and not getting close to what can hurt us. Yeah, great observation there. More is necessary than just an outward compliance. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be this inward, and it's quite the prayer, that, that we would have the type of love God has. Yeah. And that we would have the type of patience or steadfastness consistency that you see in Jesus. Yeah, boy, grant that both now and forever, Heavenly Father. So I think this is something that we should remember to pray too, that God would direct our hearts. So Mark, I do that quite often because sometimes I'll be in a situation that I know my attitude is not pleasing to God for whatever reason. I can tell there's some kind of mental or emotional darkness in me And I consciously recognize it and I consciously reject it, but I ask God to remove it from my heart, to direct my heart another direction because that's, I don't want it to be there. And then I expect him to answer that prayer and watch for it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the attitude that this prayer becomes a reality in the person who wants it to be a reality Mm -hmm. in their life. And so Paul here in this section has moved from the need to spread the word to the need to obey the word. Okay. So he goes on to say, now we command you, brethren. So 
I mean, that phrase, obviously, it's appropriate language given that the words that they write are those of the Lord, right? Now we command you, brethren. Yeah, he's expressed confidence that these brethren would obey his commands, and now we've got one. Here is a specific command, and it's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that, that mean, is, honey? Well, it means that, as Paul writes this, this is not Paul's command. This is Jesus's command. Okay. So it's our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is the boss, Lord, Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life. In this section, I think he'll at least define what the unruly life is that um, specifically he's dealing with, but in general, an unruly life would be a life that's not in sync with the commands of the Lord. That could be in the reference to like doctrine where someone's teaching something that's not true, Mm. but it also could be moral, Mm -hmm. you know, where Mm -hmm. someone's involved in a sin. It could be relational. You're not treating your wife right type of stuff, but you're, you're out of line. You're out of line with the teachings of Jesus. And not just that, you refuse to get back in line. Mm. I think is the key thought here. Mm-hmm. So we find similar passages, okay. especially in the gospel, Matthew eighteen fifteen, where Jesus talked about like if a brother sins okay. and you go to him, if he repents, hey, you gain your brother. Yeah. If he doesn't, you take a couple of witnesses. It's still kind of private. That's very honorable. Yeah. If he repents, hey, we're, we're all good. Yep. If he doesn't repent, then finally you take it to the congregation and if your pen's good, but if not, at that point, then this first kicks in. Mm. Well, you no longer socialize with mm-hmm. him. First Corinthians mm-hmm. 15, you don't even eat with him. It's not so much a shunning because if you see him downtown, you will say, hey. Miss we need you. To, we need Love to, you. We're, we're missing Where you. Where have you been? You need to get back. You need to, can we get together and what study? What can we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's not a shunning where you don't acknowledge his presence. Mm-hmm. It's something like, hey. I can't have pizza with you. I can't just chew the fat. I love you too much to pretend like you are okay. Yeah. This is a crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm reaching out to you. How about a 180? (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so and in this context, Mark, this would also include slackers, right? Though certainly indolence is not the only way to be unruly, but laziness in this case. Is that correct? Right, yeah. That will show up a little bit later in this chapter, or you might say be a specific example of what some of the members here were doing to be out of line. Okay, so it's not limited to that, but it includes that. Matthew puts it in the category if they sin. Yeah. And then 1 Corinthians says, hey, if any brother's a fornicator or a drunkard or, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're continuing to engage in these particular sins. Yeah, so all of what you've just described is really, it it is an act of love. Mm -hmm. It is an act of love. Like, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you on a social level. What can we do to remove this spiritual barrier? Yeah, because I cannot just pretend that you're okay. Yeah. Yep. You're destroying yourself. Also, the phrase every brother would mean that no one's exempt. If you're a Christian and you're in sin, it doesn't matter who you are, this would apply. Okay. All right. So then it goes on to say, and not according to the tradition which you received from us. So tradition. Tradition, Mark. That's an interesting... It's Yeah, and we find that a couple of times in this letter, and here tradition does not mean what we typically think of like some sort of human tradition. Yeah, a little habit. Yeah, and the word tradition just means what has been handed down. Uh, okay. The question is, handed down from where? Uh-huh. If it's been handed down from man, 
then it's just man's take it rules. Or leave it. Yeah, take it or leave it. But if it's been handed down from God, mm. which that's what the Bible is, the mm-hmm. Bible's the teachings that's been handed down through the Holy Spirit to the apostles mm-hmm. and written down, then you violate that and you're out of line with God. That is holy ground, yes. So fellowship with God is based on are you conforming to the teachings of Scripture? Yeah. And not how you feel. Right. All right, so verse 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. I like that, that Paul felt that he could hold himself up as an example Mm -hmm. that other Christians should imitate. And the question is, are we living the type of life that we could hold ourselves up as an example? Is my faith Mm -hmm. worth imitating? Mm -hmm. Yes, and we have that faith in order to glorify God. It's not a showy kind of thing, but yeah, it is something that is it imitatable. What if everyone did what you did? Yes. Would the world be a better or worse place? Right. All right. So then it goes on to say, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. And then he's going to get more specific about that, like in verse 8. We didn't show up, and and we weren't like loafers and Mm -hmm. leeches. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, uh, we showed up, and we didn't take a whole bunch of free handouts. We labored, we travailed, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of, well, like the new Christians there. Mm -hmm. My says, verse 8, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. So... That is one way of not acting in an undisciplined manner among you. And I think about 1 Corinthians 9.27 where Paul says, but I discipline my body and make it my slave. So there's all kinds of expressions of being disciplined. But in this case, Paul worked night and day. Mm -hmm. We did hard and heavy work. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a false humility here. Paul's not saying, I just don't want to be a burden to anybody, you know. It's it's not that. Passive-aggressive. Yeah, passive-aggressive. And he was not against preachers being supported because, mm-hmm. well, the Philippians would support him. Philippians yeah. chapter 4. And they were praised six, for that. Yeah. And First Corinthians chapter 9, the whole chapter is how those who preach the gospel have a right to earn a living from that. But there was something about the case in Corinth and Thessalonica that for some reason Paul felt, I think it was in the best interest of the Christians there, particularly Mm -hmm. the new Christians there, who were being persecuted like, you know, these people are being persecuted right now, and they're brand new Christians. The last thing they need is, well, to support me financially. Yeah. They don't need that on their plate. Yeah, and then the verse ends, but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. So, Mark, it just reminds me of these beautiful examples of so many of the people that we've met while traveling. Maybe they are sitting in a position where they are financially secure enough that they don't always have to be paid when it comes to sharing the gospel, that sometimes they're paid, sometimes they're not paid. But any opportunity that they have to do God-glorifying, fruitful labor that they can do that voluntarily, then they opt to do that. So that's a beautiful way to spend, uh, I'd say, your retirement. Even if something can be described as a hardship, we really are only happy when we're to some degree or another struggling and striving and reaching. Isn't that ironic? Because part of us really looks forward to resting, you know, but yet there's this other part of us that really needs to struggle and strive and reach. 
Yeah. Hopefully that's what keeps people close to God. Mm -hmm. So appreciate the hardship. Mm -hmm. So back to Paul, he says in verse nine, not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. Paul quickly nips any misconception Uh here in the bud. That's handy. And uh, I think he does the same thing in first Corinthians chapter nine. And it looks like the Thessalonians knew that it's like, you know, that a preacher of the gospel can be supported. You know that. And I would have the right But notice that God leaves it up to the individual, whether they accept support or not. Mm -hmm. God gives the preacher flexibility. You can accept full support, partial support, etc. And certain situations, Paul offered what he called the gospel without charge. Mm -hmm. But he says, here's the reason. It wasn't because we didn't have the right. We wanted to be an example to you. And it just looks like that he knew that among the Thessalonians, his decision not to take support was to his and their advantage. It it demonstrated the purity of his motives mm-hmm. in chapter 2, 5 mm-hmm. through 10. And probably one of the things behind this is that it removed all the accusations of the false teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so much freedom in Christ, isn't there, Mark? Yeah, but also remember the Greek culture had this disdain for manual labor and hard work. And Uh Paul's example pointed out that the gospel does not have disdain for manual labor Mm -hmm. and hard work. Mm -hmm. All right, so that seems like a thorough and great scripture hike through the Second Thessalonians chapter 3, the first half. So let's pick up where we left off in the next scripture hike, Mark Dunnigan. That leaves like one spur of the trail left in this book. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. God bless.